Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today are Louis D'Souza and Anne-Marie Young. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And hey, it's Monday once again. It's funny how that happens. Every seven days, it comes right back again. <laughs> so many people freak out about Mondays. I'm, I I suppose that we could join the crowd if we really wanted to. Um, I don't think any of us really want to, to be perfectly honest. Freaking out over Mondays doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Um, and I mention that because I, I won't go into a lot of details. It's, it's not a story that's complete yet, so I'm not ready to tell the story. But I've been riding so much of a, a roller coaster going into today and through today that the last thing I want to do is start getting fretting about Mondays. So... We're going to just start this off as, this, as if this were a really great Monday. What do you say? What do you think? I get Today? to see you guys every Monday. So it's always yeah. to look forward to. Absolutely. Good things happening. So what what they usually call it uh, Manic Mondays, but uh, I think we need to change that around. We're going to call it um, Marvelous, Marvelous Mondays. Mondays. Yeah. There we go. Same word, same time. I love it. Okay. <laughs> so, hey, how you guys doing? Emery, I can tell you're already doing really, really well. Yeah, I am good. I am good. Um, I've been very busy and loving every second. Yeah, lots of good stuff. A good busy life. Those are always fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And L- Louis is his, his usual, you know, just level self. He never changes. He's just always level happy. <laughs> How boring. My name is Seven of Nine. <laughs> you will be assimilated. You will be assimilated. <laughs> Resistance. <laughs> Where's Captain Picard when you need him? Yeah. I, I reckon whoever wrote that knew something about Abram Hicks. I think so. Because I always think a source is assimilating us every time we die, isn't it? Well, okay. And resistance is futile. At. When you're dead, it's it's pretty futile. <laughs> you will be assimilated. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. I mean, if you have a, a source energy continuum that is not full of any blocks or resistances, then not only is resistance futile, it's non-existent. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it just isn't even there. <laughs> you got to have contrast for it to happen. Without the contrast, forget it. It's not going to happen. So. I've just been watching a few episodes of Voyager again because, I don't know, something about the Borg really... You like really the Borg. You're a fan yeah, I like of the, the Borg. Borg. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so, also the other uh, side of the Borg, too, you know, because it's basically the idea that we will all think the same way. We will all think the same thing. We will all be on the same track at the same time, performing... In, pulling in the same direction for the same goal. I miss the Borg. Well, t- take, take for instance, Abram Hicks's explanation of what Source's ultimate goal is. Well, you're going to leave it's... us hanging there, or are you actually going to tell us? <laughs> I, I, I knew you knew, but I um, <laughs> thought you were going to come up with it. Well, I'm just waiting for the other half of the sentence, you know. <laughs> so, so Abram Hicks uh, states that Source's ultimate goal is simply expansion. Okay. So if you think of the Borg, um, they are a collective, the collective of all the um, physical contrasting um, vibrational interpreting machines that have played with contrast, expanded uh, source energy, and then reassimilated into non physical. <laughs> I notice how you slipped that word in there very nicely, don't you? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I'm just thinking about it in, in, in a way that I can kind of understand source energy because it's the it's 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 one of the things that is always if you even ask Abram Hicks, they don't spend much time talking about who or what they are at all. At all. So even if you get a direct question to them, they just deflect it and they deflect it, off it beautifully. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. They're it doesn't affect you where you are now, and it's nope. just like nope. <laughs> um, so it, it's interesting that the non-physical part of us has designed this time-space reality very, very carefully to remove memory of all your past lives, memory of 
what non-physical is like so that you can focus on your individuality of who you are here and now so that you can play with the contrast that you've been given this lifetime and, 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 and have agreed to, we presume. Um, Hopefully, although if, you're, if we're Borg, it may not have been you know, a choice. <laughs> so you will go. <laughs> It, it's, it's when you break out of the collective and <laughs> individuality with, the, with, the, with a new body and a, as a baby that then, then you come out of the collective and then you play with contrast yeah, and then you get reassimilated into the book. So, yeah, um, I've really been enjoying the Voyage series, as you can see, recently. Well, 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 no wonder nobody wants to die. They don't want to go back to being part of the collective. They want the individuality. I mean, that's a pretty straightforward the, thing. This is the thing that, that even if you ask Abram, they're not very good at um, talking about the individuality of the non-physical 200 entities that talk through Esther, etc. Is that the latest count, 200? Um, that was one along the way, somewhere along the line, I saw 200. So the, the, the picture that I remember was Esther was saying, I really want to know what you guys look like, and then about 200 lights manifested in her room, and these are the non-physical individual energies that are not really individual, but we talk with one voice and one mind through you. So, you know, it's complicated, and I don't know if we'll ever get to the bottom of source energy. And, you know, if you think that source created, um, you know, everything in the all the galaxies and all the universes and all the worlds that we have in the physical, um, it must be so big and powerful that I don't think our little minds are even going to begin to be able to comprehend even a small portion of it. But you well, know, to kind of put of it yes. into uh, perspective, I mean, you basically you have this collection of 200 entities, strands of source energy, to use, uh, I believe, the phrase that, that Abraham uses, out of an infinite number. That's a pretty tiny, tiny percentage going on there. And yet we find what they're talking about to be pretty overwhelming. So, yeah, yeah. okay, <laughs> fair assumption that it's probably a little bit more than we can handle when you look at the entire spectrum of source energy. Yeah, I'll buy into that. But we try anyway because, hey, we're individuals. We have egos and we have yes. desires and we have, you know, we have, we want to be these. We're not just playing. We're here. We're here for the real thing. We're here for the, the total experience. So that becomes a good topic for today, which we all agreed upon before we got on to the show today. The ego, which actually does take kind of a beating from a lot of different quarters when you think about it. It really does. Doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, first of all, from ourselves, because we're really rough on ourselves. Second of all, from anybody who's trying to help us. You gotta get that ego out of the way, like there's something wrong with it. Something evil. You got it, that, that, it's always the ego that screws everything up. That's the attitude, right? And it couldn't be more it's mistaken. All, it's also there to protect us, isn't it? Yeah, that's one reason. Yeah. Hmm? I think it's important to, dissect the originality of the word ego. Ah, we're going to bring Freud in? Absolutely. All right, go for it. Because Freud didn't say that there was only negative ego. He said there was positive ego as well. Yeah, but society didn't listen to that part. No, I know, <laughs> but it's interesting. It's interesting. Like, you know, I try to explain to people in the sauna, you know, do you, do you know why our newspapers and news feeds on TV, etc., are all negative 99% of the time? What do you think the answer is, Emery? Fear. Fear of yeah. what? Who's fearful People of what? feed off the fear. Why, why are they buying fear? It's a leading question, but it's a good one. Yeah. I would say they like the stress hormone, the adrenaline. Yeah, that's, that's getting there. So, so we like, we like the drama, as Abram would put mm. it. Yeah. Mm. So the reason why newspapers and, and, and all news is neg negative most of the time is simply because it's supply and demand. So people so It's not necessarily to. the newspapers that are bad. They're just saying, what's going to sell more? So I'm going to make more money. Oh, negatively sells more than positively. So I'm going to put down a negative newspaper. Or to put it another way, they are the, they're the mirrors of our society. Absolutely. They're mirroring the masses. Yep. And the masses pay for their paycheck every day so they can live. And they're going to find anything that's more sensational because we like the drama. 
So well, some of us anyway. Some of us have got kind of bored <laughs> with it, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, how many of us are really excited to have stability and peace? I would say I want stability many. and peace. <laughs> well, peace is good, but that I mean that's not the soul. And that's not my my sole goal, um, but there are a whole range of of good feeling emotions. I'm I'm aiming for the whole range. I don't really try to zero mm. in on one of them. I mean, sure, joy is usually at the top of the scale, and I like joy as much as the next man. But I also like optimism. I happen to be a you know a friend of enthusiasm. I I, I like all of the ones that you can put at the, the positive end of the range. Why should I limit myself? So all those positive emotions, would you say they positive ego desires? Yeah, I would say so. Sure. So what, whatever we think, we create a vortex of what we want. We create a vortex of what we don't want. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not sure would you they're say really, they're, they're, they're like two ends of the same vortex, aren't they? They are. It's basically a one human thinking. Yeah. That's that's the the commonality. The 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 difference is one is focusing wanted, one's focusing on unwanted, or lack. Yeah, yeah, or lack. Mm -hmm. It's always it's always interesting to me that wanted is one, and all all the negative terms is millions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that blew me I away mean, for the longest time. Like, where where did the rest of the hell. English language go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah. But like the bar so, didn't have the time to create the rest of the words. I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, li I like portraying that in, in the sense that um, if you wanted to be well and happy, those are two words. But if you want to talk about disease, sickness, ailments, you've got millions of diseases mm -hmm. that you can list, millions of ailments, millions of psychological dramas you can, you can put down. But if you, you can't find the contrasting words to all of those, <laughs> you only got um, success, happiness, peace. Well, well not if they're, going to be, if they're going to be unique, you're right. That's going to be impossible. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we've got to. We've I mean, you could, put, a, you could put health on the opposite of all those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so we've got, we've got um, ego, which Freud said was two parts. So. In, in a sense, you could say that the ego is wanted and unwanted, but we've even screwed that up because we're now saying wanted in an egotistical way, which kind of is, is a very screwy vibration. You know, like you, you want to show off and that's bad and, you know, showing off is not necessarily bad, but we've, we've got it all mixed up there. With this whole word. Well, ego. I think that actually preceded Freud, if, if we're going to be really honest about it, because what we're talking about is morality. And mm. morality has been around for generations. It's been around for centuries, millennia. <laughs> and that's really what you're talking about there. When you put morality into the equation, then all the old definitions just kind of get twisted and distorted into whatever the morality says is important. Mm. So morality is a, is a minefield simply because it's all relative. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And... The, the isn't biggest... it interesting how human beings like to try to figure out if there's an objective morality? It's a contradiction in terms, really. <laughs> it is, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's absolutely true, yeah. And uh, it, it is some. Uh, there's a lot of philosophy groups that go around trying to discuss morality. Mm -hmm. And well, they don't really so much discuss it as try to impose it. Well, there, that's where the, that's where the problem comes in. That is where the... Oh, I thought it came in before that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> the issue is when you want to take your belief structure and enforce it on somebody else. That is when everything starts falling apart. That's mm. when walls are created yeah. on every different level of shape yep. of wall. This is true. Um, and, 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 and it's really interesting because, you know, the COVID is, and, and, and the vaccine have been a very big wall between a lot of people. Um, what do you mean happened? It, it all continues. It hasn't stopped. Yeah, I mean, just, well, as far as we're concerned, it's history. No. <laughs> I gave up on that a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you believe what you want to believe. Um, but uh, 
you know, so you've got you've got these contrasting views, and then you want to enforce it on somebody else. So, so you've just got this place where where you're starting to learn more acceptance, aren't you? You're starting to say, well, you know, if you want to learn your your you want to have your point of view, you know, have it, and I'm going to allow you the space to believe it, and I'm not going to contradict you or push you or force you to believe mine, and that kind of Tolerance, I believe, is what is necessary on this planet between religions, philosophies, cultures, countries, um, and all of that. So just just a greater – this is why, another reason why I loved watching Voyager. They come across all these many, many different cultures, and they, they try and follow the prime directive, which is not get involved in all their crap, you know. Which always them, fails, by the them way. Believe they, ne- <laughs> they, they, they never succeed in following the prime directive. I can't remember a single episode where they actually followed the prime directive. They did try desperately hard. <laughs> <laughs> not to impose their, their viewpoint. So, it, yeah, it's, it's a... It's a great study in, in, in the struggle that humanity has in trying to let let people be who they need to be and want to be and you know, all the rest of it. You know, it's very difficult to follow a prime directive in the Voyager's case when they come to you and say, help me. Which I and think then, is it, it's a great description about why the prime directive is flawed. Because right there you just you just nailed it. But what what the prime directive basically says is we must never interfere in another culture, mm. essentially. The problem with that is quantum physics teaches us that the moment we're observing it, we're, we're interfering. I, I think the prime I mean, directive is... You, it's not possible to obey it. <laughs> the only way to, to obey it is to not go out into outer space. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, you might get some Voyager or Star Trek buffs coming on, but I think the prime directive <laughs> Well, is... that's all right. They're welcome. <laughs> You know me, I like I think, I think the prime directive is based around not in, in, uh, interfering in, in lesser advanced cultures. Well, I think it also and applies not to not in their wars, even if they are on the same level or higher than you. It, it also applies to advanced cultures that are further advanced. I mean, they, they want to keep their, officially, they want to keep their hands off of all cultures that are, let them, let them develop on their own, whatever way they're developing. Mm. But once again, they fall apart on that. They don't actually follow their own directive. <laughs> well, I mean, as soon as you want to trade, you start getting involved with them, don't you? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yep. And then, of course, somebody um, steals something from you because they've got <laughs> right. They've, you've done some trading, and they, they've gone and conned you, and so you have to get involved. <laughs> don't really have a choice. <laughs> You're now involved. So it's 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 really tricky for for man to learn to. To, to walk that balance of allowing other people to have their belief structures and keeping your own very clear through it all, which a lot of people seem to struggle with. They seem to get, a lot of people s- seem to get easily swayed by other people's belief structures um, along the way. Uh, Are they? I'll, I'll tell you something that happened in the sauna. It's not quite on point, but it's, it's close-ish. So the, this lady, we're having this great chat, and I found she's an Abraham, Abrahamster and, um, and all the rest of it, attractive black female. And she was telling me, not directly, but indirectly, but and then afterwards she told me it was true, but um, she was telling me that she had a relationship with a white guy, and he abused her. And then mm. she became racist and understandable. And then she had a relationship with a black guy, and he beat her up. And then she had a relationship with another guy, and he beat her up too. And then she started going, listening to Abram Hicks, realizing that she had to change herself and not th- those outside. The pattern of. becomes obvious after a while. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it does. <laughs> she stopped becoming a racist. <laughs> that, that vanished as well. It was a really interesting conversation of how she whole, evolved through this whole process. Um, and going from experience to experience. And she was an intellectual, and she really got a lot of the stuff that I was saying and all the rest of it. Um, but as soon as I started to, to teach her uh, things that she didn't really know or thought she did know but wasn't clear about, she was not too happy about it. So she still had that whole pride and ego aspect to her, which was very, very strong, um, which did not want to allow um, her to... Uh, accept new viewpoints or or greater clarification, which I, I found quite interesting, and I just let go. It was it was just 
curious about how it all worked out. But she she was quite determined that she was going to meet me again in the sauna and things like that. And I, I usually don't bump into the same people twice unless they're in a group that I'm part of a, a member of. Then I bump into them quite often. But that's usually even planned because it's a huge you descri- sauna now. What you're describing, though, is it, it's kind of a mixed bag in that I didn't hear in the story how she actually asked you for help to you know, deal with the other stuff. You just kind of injected it and so it raises the question is that an example of continuing to be respectful of the other person's independence you're right now the way i justify it is i'm just sharing what i what i enjoy and you can accept it or reject it and i mm-hmm. give people sure. freedom to reject it so uh therefore you could look at it as injecting it on other people <clears throat> but because i'm just enjoying myself and having fun and I'm feeling good about it all the time. I don't feel it's injection from my point of view, but they may feel like it's injection from their point of view and take umbrage, which, of course, is their prerogative, is their right. They're allowed to do that. And it's also the challenge that, of points of view because everybody has a different point of view, and no matter where you sit with your point of view, you're going to see something different from the way everybody else sees, and it doesn't matter hmm. what it is. It's, it's just not that she was rejecting it. It was that she agreed completely with it, but... Because she hadn't perceived it with the clarity that I had, she she was a little bit, um, you know, and, and being an intellectual, she was a bit, um, an, uh, maybe, I don't know what it was, but she didn't like it that much. I can't really describe exactly how she was feeling because I'm not her. But, um, yeah, hi, Lug, Luke, Luke, Luke. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just... One of those things, I mean, I had some great conversations in the sauna recently. It's just stunning. But, you and uh, your you sauna, know, I mean, you, you have some <laughs> of the most interesting experiences that come out of that sauna. I, I'm kind of curious. I, I, you've told us a whole lot about the sauna, about the club, about the expansion that they did and so forth, the literal physical expansion. Um, just a, a very interesting place, but it's almost like you've made it your second office. I mean, you just do so much of I your... I actually don't your... go there that often, but... Um, well, you tell a lot time... of stories about it, I'll say that. <laughs> but every time I go, Walt, I'm putting out the, the, the thought form, let me speak to people that are compatible or interested in what I want to say. And I get them ad nauseum, you know, from beginning to end. I'm happy. I, I can still do my sauna, I can still do my swimming, uh, and still do my plunge pool, because one lady I was telling about ah. the plunge pool, I had an out-of-body experience in a plunge pool. And she was fascinated by this, and she wanted to understand all about the out-of-body experience. So so she jumped into the, the plunge pool with me, and we, we chatted, chatted about out-of-body experiences. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, then we talked about non-physical, and then we landed up with um, the law of attraction. And she was really, really interested. I mean, people, as I say, really, they shake my hand, they ask for my name, they're they remember when I'm in the sauna and I don't remember them. And <laughs> it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. I've got this face and, 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 and name uh, block that I, I, I really remember um, somebody else's face and name. But if you were talking about a philosophy, a concept, or gave me a story, I'd never forget it. <laughs> never. Yeah. Um, and sure because I know stories, stories on are. each one of you, so I'll never forget you guys either. But for yeah. me, I really struggle to take any great importance in the physical look um, of a person and even their name is not that important to me. Uh, And it's just me, but I will see into you and I'll know stuff inside and that'll be incredibly important to me, but the rest I just kind of like shave off. It just vanishes. That's why it's difficult for me to see race, creed, age, anything. I get along with young people, middle people, old people, really doesn't make any difference to me. It doesn't matter what race, race, sex, or the orientation, it really doesn't bother me in the slightest. Because I look inside and I see what, where they really are and where they're going to. And I enjoy that and I play with it and I have fun with it. I love, in the sauna, for example, I'm, I'm lying there, my eyes closed, and I'm chatting to people. I don't even look at them. But I can feel that intellectual contact and movement, and it's like an energy that goes between us. And oh, yeah, need, the energy between I, people in, in near proximity is, is palpable. Yeah. And, and there's absolutely no no need to sit up and look at them. <laughs> Maybe you're just there to plant the seed, to plant that little seed for them to take it away 
and let that grow. Again, my my enjoyment is just sharing it. And, you know, if they do spark up and, and spark, then it's great. And if they don't, it's great. But I'm there to enjoy myself and have fun. And that's it. So let's you let's know. bring the uh, the topic in that we're talking about ego. Where does ego fit into what we, what you've just been laying out here about this beautiful experience that you have when you, when you go to visit the sauna at, the, at your local club? Yeah, I mean, from my point of view, it's really if you're doing things that you really really enjoy, Walt um, and Marie, if you're doing something that you really really enjoy, then you're not really doing it with ego. The ego has kind of got out the way to a huge degree. If, if not largely and all you're doing there is being yourself you're having fun you're allowing people to accept or reject whatever you say uh, or do or whatever area you you play with and there is very little ego involved you know if somebody rejects me argues with me um, or whatever I enjoy it I prefer it that much I know from years of experience (laughs) (laughs) You know, it, it, it's it's not something that bothers me at all. So if you can go in with that sense of wanting to know or experience who the other person really is, outside all the psychological drama, outside all the physiological drama, eyeshadow, high heels, big boobs, small boobs, whatever, <clears throat> big things, small things. Um, if you can if you can get past all that, you can really have a lot of. Uh, uh, <clears throat> A lot of relaxed, simplistic beauty about just being who you are and sharing who you are. So let me uh, raise Very a question ego. to tie into this. Because uh, what you said, you said a couple of things that were kind of interesting there. Very interesting, actually. Um, the way you described it, it sounds like your definition of ego does not include the idea that an ego has fun, that the ego enjoys life in any way. Again, I'm using the society's usual definition or experience or use of the word ego, which is you're being an e- egotistical bastard, kind of. Oh, okay, because I'm hoping that we can actually come up with a more <laughs> a more <clears throat> accurate description, because I think that's a really extreme description of the ego, and it's mm. the reason why the ego gets such a bad name, because we put it into this corner, like, oh, all the bad stuff's over there. You guys stay over there. We'll be over here. You know, it's that kind of, a, of an attitude, whereas... I actually think we should be celebrating the ego. I think the ego is actually a very good thing. Um, but again, it's going to come down to how you define what the ego is. So that's what I was asking. Exactly. And, and, and Abram Hicks you, says there is. How do you think about it, though? You particularly. How do you think about the ego? Do you think about it in terms of being able to experience joy as well as experience sorrow and anger and desire to control and you will be absorbed into the continuum and all this other stuff? <laughs> yeah. Um... Personally, I've removed the word ego from my entire database use. <laughs> okay. Um, I have no use, time, energy for the word. Uh, Freud can keep it. Um, people can play with it. Um, well, he did copyright it after all. So. <laughs> <laughs> he did? <laughs> That's interesting. Well, the copyright um, ran out a few years ago, but yeah, it was all copyrighted. Oh, right. Okay. Um, I, I don't see the use for the word. It's, it doesn't seem to help me become anything or not become anything. Um, and I think society is confused about the word. It's not a clear well, word that they really know how to use. For good reason. Nobody has a clear definition of it. Exactly. Yeah. So therefore, erase the word, find another word that's got a better, better clarity to it and is more useful, and, and continue with your life. You know, that's my, 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 my two cents worth. All right, so I'm, I'm going to go to Anne-Marie on this one. I mean, you, you, you actually had to cut out for a little bit there, but I think you heard most of what we were talking about. Yeah. Where, where, where are you on this concept of this topic of the ego? Because I'm trying to make the argument that I think there's a good side of the ego and that, that uh, we, we should stop treating it as this, this horrible shadow thing to throw away. But what do you, where do you sit on that? I mean, I think really the ego is something that is there to protect you. It's something that's there to keep you safe um but i think it can stop you from growing if you listen to your ego um and so that that can hold you back so i think there's there's pros and cons to it yeah i think it's got a positive side but i also think you know it it can delay you in in your growth if you choose Mm -hmm. to let it 
Anne-Marie, mm-hmm. you said, listen to your ego. What part That's of you... To myself. Is, is, <laughs> <laughs> listen to your ego. Listen to yourself. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> well, to me, the ego is like this little voice in my head that... Oh, oh I don't the the devil on your left shoulder. I am. I am. It's not there so much anymore, but that's and, and, and Louis is one of those ones who says that the, that the one on your left shoulder is a devil. I like that. Yes, okay. Mm. Now it's very clear where he's coming from. <laughs> I only listened to that one, Walt. <laughs> Better the devil you know than the devil you don't know. <laughs> oh, boy, there's an old cliche, yeah. But, yeah, it's, 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 it's just that, that I, t- I tend to listen to it or don't listen to it. And it's also... When my also my ego to me is when I want to show off a little, or why do I have to be that centre of attention? Is that my ego, or is that me being authentic, or what am I covering? You know. There's another so distinction think- there. You just, you just made a distinction there that a lot of people make, the, particularly these days. In the last ten, fifteen years, that's become a big distinction: the distinction between uh, expressing ego and being authentic. With the mm. implication that if you're expressing ego, you're not being authentic. Mm. And, and Walt, Walt, that just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> it really you're doesn't. Doing, you're trying to do what your sister-in-law tried to do: is take a word and and redefine it and tell society they've got to take it on board. Um, no, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm just throwing that last piece in because I know you're not trying to. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and Louis, that Louis knows a good tripwire when he sees when he tries to stay away from <laughs> or step over it. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 that that is never really going to happen. Uh, the word ego has an active vibration in our society, and you ain't going to eradicate it anytime soon. And to try, I believe, is a folly. Create a new word, which defines clearer what you mean, and you'll have a much greater chance of moving forward than trying to redefine or get the world to start looking at a word which has been in our culture forever um, in, in a different way. Well, perhaps. I mean, I'm not terribly interested in whether or not the world changes its mind or not. It's up to the world, to yeah. the people in the world. Which is why I, I brought that part in. I, yeah. I, bring, I bring up the idea of, of, of the ego being unfairly treated the way it is as a point, as a pointer that every time that we do that, the only people that we're actually setting up is ourselves. Every single time that we insist on delineating between, well, there's my spiritual side and there's my ego side, there's my authentic side and there's my ego side, we're basically saying, okay, there's a part of me that I'm either going to disown or I'm going to ignore or I'm going to pretend that it isn't there or something along that line. We're not going to embrace it. There's never embracing going on in that conversation. There's never Walt, I love there's my no- ego. It's just it's so cool, man. I just, I just rave, man. My, I'm the man, man. Well, that's, that's good. I like that. Yeah, I thought you'd like that because that's what you're getting at. And I get what you're getting at. Okay. I'm cool with that, man. I'm really cool with that. I mean, I might not quite have gone that far over the top, but that's all right. Yeah, <laughs> You know, contrast is a teacher, man. <laughs> I'm still trying to find the lesson book, but uh, yeah. <laughs> You're laughing. It worked. It worked. Right. <laughs> yes, I have my daily dose of happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the ego is something that. I, I, I'm trying to learn to celebrate it more and more. I don't care if anybody else does, but I think it's a good idea for me to do it anyway, just because I want to accept all of me. So how are you doing funny. that, Walt? How are you celebrating, Rico? You, you went through Taya boot camp. You're a Taya graduate. I'm going through it now. Mm-hmm. Um, to draw from the Taya uh, world, it's the idea of acceptance of transgressors and acceptance of, of things we would normally consider negative. And, and yeah. more than acceptance, appreciation. That's really where the tire world goes, where they're trying to take it to, let's appreciate this wonderful thing that in the past I said, oh, my God, I can't stand that thing, which is a big challenge, but it's also very, very potent. We've all three of us talked about that numerous occasions here. It is an extremely potent, powerful thing to find a way to love and appreciate those things that we would normally reject. 
And when, when we develop that, we become, talk about masters, we become mastery masters. We're like, you know, Instagram masters at that point. Because now nothing can stop us. I was thinking of something that really annoyed me hugely recently, because it's very rare. Because it stuck out. Uh, I can time. hardly wait. This is going to be a story. We're getting sauna. Somebody removed all this clothes in the sauna. Now, that didn't annoy me at all. <laughs> <laughs> Being Udist, that was nothing. Um, <laughs> so my, my, I took my, my daughter to a friend's birthday party. She'd been invited, and she gets there, and she plays a little bit and wanders around, wanders around. She comes back to me, Dad, I'm bored. Now, she's in a play area where she can play with all her friends and all the rest mm -hmm. of it, and she tells me she's bored. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? <laughs> I said, what do you want me to do about it? She said, my, I'm just bored. I said, just try play a little bit more. So she goes out and she comes back, I'm bored. So I said, mm -hmm. do you want to go home? She says, yes. I said, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to go to, the, go to your friend's mom and, and say to her, you're bored? Oh, no, no, Dad, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Tell her something else. <laughs> well, you want me to lie to her? <laughs> so I'm sitting there with this annoyance on my face. <laughs> And uh, I was trying to think, why did it annoy me so much? Did it annoy me because I felt I had to lie? Did it annoy me because it was a social interaction and a possibly future dynamic with my daughter and her peers and her friends? What was it that was really getting to me? And I, mm. I still haven't completely got to the bottom of it. I think it's a collection of all of those. But um, I was fuming on the way back in the car, so absolutely fuming. Wow. More with myself, trying to understand where this I almost want to see that just anger came from. I can't even, I, I have never seen you even come close to that. So I'm, I'm curious, like, what does Louis look like when he's actually in that space? Oh my god, you Next don't want to do a lie, <laughs> you right. don't want to know. <laughs> Ask my daughter, Isabel. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what, what am I like when I'm angry? Oh, annoying, really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I lash out on people. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a standard thing. When, when people are angry, that's what happens. But I'm always highly aware, even when I'm doing it, that I'm doing it. I'm also aware that I could tailor it. I'm also aware what depth I can do it and not do it. I also sometimes use it for effect. Um, even when I'm not angry, I can act angry. I'm uh, curious cause, because I, I know that when I'm angry and I'm aware of it, I get really pissed at myself like really annoyed with myself. Like I know that what I'm that, doing right now, that is, that is how I felt in the car. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly how I felt in the car. Like, I was highly aware of it, but I was like, <laughs> what's triggering this? Mm -hmm. And you know, I don't know if you know, but the, on the 23rd, um, it was a couple of days after full moon. It was a very spiritual day. I think it's the solstice or the equinox or whatever too. Um, a couple of days ago, uh, and all the rest of it. So, and it was on just around that day. It was on that day or the next day. And a lot of things get triggered for me on around that period. I mean, my inner I... sound gets incredibly loud. Um, I know the moon's full and I can feel it. And, you know, there's a whole lot of things that go on with me. So, uh, And sometimes I get triggered a lot quicker and easier during that period. So, you know, there's, you must also think that there's external factors that are affecting you as well. Um, and you, you've got to factor all these things in to try and get a vague idea of who you are and where you're coming from, where you're going. Um, but that's me. I mean, I, I live in a different world to everybody else, but that's just me. <laughs> so, yeah, it was really interesting for me to sit there and puzzle this one out because I was really frustrated with my daughter mm. and myself, mostly myself. But I was like... I'm sure your daughter actually had nothing to do with it. She was just... Probably... Probably not. Absolutely, yeah. it, was, it was just like a trigger that that, mm -hmm. that landed up, and yep. and all the and most of the time that is what happens when you get angry. It's an accumulation of other things. It's not it's oh, not yeah. that incident that triggered it. Right. Do you um, think kids trigger us because it's something from our childhood and we don't remember? No, I don't Freud that kind of stuff. Just. <laughs> <laughs> So, if you have repressed, 
problems from your childhood, um, I look at it as a cup of dirty water. And you know what I do with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you top it up. I top it up and top it up and top it up and top it up. I don't go there. I don't go and dig out those empty pieces, take my tweezers and find that black little spot <laughs> in the water. <clears throat> I, can't, I can't grab it. I can't. Oh, that's too small. <laughs> I can't get it. No. no, I just leave it alone. Fill it up with clean water. Off I go. <laughs> I was just thinking about the stories that you told us about um, your own path that you've taken through life, the various things that you've discovered along the way, the things you've experimented with, you know, you, uh, the uh, the theory that you developed about uh, how we are what we eat, we are what we drink, we are what we breathe, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it occurs to me that there are a couple of ways that you could look at that. I, I think I know from what you just said which way you look at it. It's possible to look at that as a person who is basically going through and imposing all these things on themselves and trying it out and experimenting and throwing it away and so forth, or, which is, I, which is not the way I, I expect that you do it, the way you do it is more, and you tell me if I'm wrong about this, is more along the lines of you're adding to. You're adding this and you're adding that, and then it, it, it's, a, um, it, it's like a pile of stuff that keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. Because so, when you focused on what you want, you feel good. Mm-hmm. It's really that simple. And, and doing that often creates a belief or an active vibration vortex on mm-hmm. that subject. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that with, with low resistance, you get the manifestation. It's really quite simple. Um, it's the Abraham Hicks philosophy. It's something I took to heart completely after I understood it. And it was the point I was making in the sauna to this girl, which she wasn't too too comfortable with, is that a lot of people enjoy Abram Hicks because they watch it and they feel good when they're watching it. But they don't take on board the philosophy and the concepts that they have, put them in their life and live it. It's, oh, let me just feel good. I'm going to put the headphones on and listen to them again. You know, and there, there's a huge portion of the Abram Hicksters, which even in my own family and friends and all around me, when I question them about what is the teaching of the Abram Hicks philosophy, they can't answer it. They cannot answer it clearly. They might have bits and pieces of the puzzle, but it's not clear at all. And um, I've just seen this so often that, you know, when you, when you get a philosophy, you really want to own it. And I know, well, you've really understood it. <laughs> and, it's, it's, you know, over the years, you've got bits and pieces and you put it all together and you've really got it. And I love that because, you know, you integrated in your life and you're now living it. And, and, and it's, you know, to me, it's, I get very few people I've met like that. It's just very, very few. <laughs> I can see Anne-Marie is really writing down, trying to understand it, learn it, and Google that. So I love that because she's, she's on the path of really getting it <clears throat> and taking on board and working with it. But there's a lot of people who just getting the quick fix like we like doing as humans, you know. Order on Amazon, see how the next day, yeah, it's all cool, you know. Um, but if you go out there and you don't only get the book, you read it, you get the philosophy, you take the philosophy, you integrate in your life, which means you have to make them an active vibration. That philosophy has to be thought of again and again in different circumstances and different situations. Take the Abram Hicks philosophy, for example, or any philosophy, and then as you put it in practice again and again, and you're just thinking about it, you don't even have to put it in practice. If you think about the philosophy again and again and it, make, and it appeals to you more and more and it makes more and more sense, you activate that vibration. That is when you start living it. If, if uh, the majority of people do follow the path you're describing where they don't actually go out of their way to learn that in depth and really make it a part of themselves... Is that a problem? Absolutely not. Okay. It is a problem for me, not for them. Oh, okay. In other words, to me, to find a good philosophy, a new philosophy that you're in tune with and clear about, which I have been discovering more recently, um, to not integrate it into, into who I am and to start using it practically 
think about it often enough, create different scenarios, apply them in your life, speak to other people about them, and then have them such as active vibration that you start living them, then it's just a bit of a waste. You know, Why bother even starting to look at it? Just smoke, drink, <laughs> do whatever you want to. You know, go do it. You know, and and you can learn from that way, but it's a really hard knock way. You know, you you know, I'm speaking to all these yeah. people in this, in in my gaming community, and all of them take drugs. Well, a huge portion of them take drugs. Actually, my close friends who I play with often don't. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, my, my my core group, my core group, none of them take drugs, <laughs> but almost everybody else is taking drugs. <laughs> I haven't thought about that. Um, and and they look at me with complete confusion, you know. Um, how, how do you not know what this is or what that is? Or how do you not know where to buy it or how to get it? Or, I said, I've never touched a drug in my life, you know. Mm. Worst is a, is an aspirin or, a, or some, some headache tablet. You know, that's about it. And I have taken, um, of course, antibiotics as a kid, ad nauseum because of my sickness, but that was doctor prescription and I didn't mm. know any difference when I was young right. um, so it, it's really it's really interesting that uh, when when I talk to them and I say well why do you take it uh, and I say oh no no you chill out or you know it helps you have these experiences and all the rest of it and I say well I, I can tell you about all my experiences <laughs> I can tell you how I relax how I get the chill feeling I can show you energy <laughs> techniques where you can do it I can tell you breathing techniques where you do it I can tell you how you can create it with your thinking you know <laughs> I can go on and on and on like this you know I've had so many experiences without any of this stuff which is okay and if you want to play with the stuff I've got no problem you know you, you just got to understand really what drugs are um most recreational drugs are step three. It's interesting that you're describing it this way. And the reason I say that is there was a special that my wife saw on Netflix or something. I'm not sure. She's, she's got so many different uh, subscriptions going. I have no idea which one this came from. But um, she saw this program, and it was a program that was looking at why it is that Homo sapien and Neanderthal branched off into two different directions. And one of the things that they were citing in this, and obviously this is their theory, I have, you know, I, I'm not going to claim knowledge one way or another, but uh, according to them, there was this huge, uh, well-documented expansion of the brain, the size of the brain, the, the brain cavity and all that kind of thing, in a relatively short thing, short period of time as eons go. Um, and they, in this particular show, they were equating it with the discovery and use of psilocybin. They were saying that it is a possibility that... What is psilocybin, just so we can... Um, LSD, uh, you know, mushrooms, magic mushrooms. Oh, okay. It's the, it's the active ingredient. Yeah. It's not LSD. LSD is a little bit different. Um, but it's the same, same family, so to speak. And psilocybin is, according to this theory, is what... The the, the, uh, the Homo sapiens got into the psilocybin and is what expanded their brain cavity. That's what their theory is. So, so, so again, it's it, it, they they got they they got into the psilocybin. They got into taking it and which ones got into the Homo sapiens. Homo sapiens got into psilocybin and they they, they expanded and, themselves and expanded yeah. themselves as a result of it. Now, so, the so, so it raises African an interesting American. question. Well, yeah, there are a lot. I can tell where you're going, and yes, go there in a moment. But my point is, there are a lot of cultures that actually believe that the use of these uh, hallucinogenic uh, substances actually does lead to expansion. Yeah, doesn't mean there aren't other ways of doing it as well. So of course, yes. Yeah. And it, it all, but it also raises the question: Would Homo sapiens, if this theory is correct, and of course that's a big if, would Homo sapiens have become Homo sapiens? Without psilocybin, <laughs> I don't know what the answer is to that either. <laughs> I think it's so far back in time. I don't think anybody <laughs> can make a particularly accurate judgment on any of that. But that's just me. Well, that doesn't um, stop anthropologists; they go after it anyway. No, I'm sure it doesn't. <laughs> I'm sure it doesn't. Um, you know, hy new philosophies start off as hypotheses, don't they? Mm. And there's nothing wrong with a new hypothesis. Mm. Nothing. No, it's but just it's, it's just fascinating. I think. 
Ask Terrace McKenna. Who's that? <laughs> That's a name I recognize. It's an author, I think. McKenna. McKenna. Nicole, you're going to have to tell us who Terrence is. He worked his whole life on this. He oh, okay. His whole well, life that, on that's this why song. I recognize the name. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he was probably named in that special that, that Louise was watching. The the best book I've ever read on that kind of stuff is um, Don Don Quixote's. Um, uh, God. No, it'll Mind come out. to me. <laughs> Sorry. Blank out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a book I read. Quite a while. The power within. Um, the fungi. Yeah, we enjoyed that movie. Um, but the, fantastic fungi. Uh, you, you'll know who I'm talking about. Um, somewhere in south of California, um, guy was meeting up with uh, a American Indian shaman or whatever they call those guys. Mm -hmm. And he was initiated into the whole thing as a Westerner. Uh Um, And he wrote some books that are very, very, very famous. And I'm sure if I I give you the author's name, he will immediately know know it all. But um, that was fascinating. And that's the best book that kind of describes the use of these drugs. These drugs were only there just to tip you over the edge, just to take you a little bit further than you could go at that moment in time. They weren't there for any other reason, not long-term use or anything else. They were literally there just to just to shift your perspective or your, your ability, as I now understand it, to, to tune your vibrational interpreting machine onto another station. And that's it. And um, what a great job that book does in twisting your mind into absolute pieces. <laughs> After that, your mind is completely confused. <laughs> and, and it does a brilliant job of that. If you, ever, if you ever want a book that takes your mind and warps it completely, um, it's a great book. Um, that's just books. He wrote quite a few of them. Oh, uh, Nicole gave Netflix. us a link on uh, uh, when uh, that gentleman passed away, Terrence McKenna. Apparently, there's an article in the New York Times from that date that describes him as the patron of psychedelic drugs. So, there you as go. much as I appreciate that, Nicole, it's not something I'll be. Into <laughs> I can't imagine detail. you taking that into the sauna. No, <laughs> not really the first item on the reading list. Yeah, uh, so. but you know, and, and with somebody who's really, really advanced, clued up like some of these American Indian shamans. And they wanted to take me under my wing and, and said that this is a, a, a short period of time where we use this to expand this and this for this reason and, and explain it all very clearly. I'd be happy with it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would probably use it mm-hmm. because in those circumstances, for spiritual reasons, for sh- for for a, like a one-off, I don't really have any problem with that kind of idea of using a tool like like this chi machine which I'm using, which I'm really enjoying, which I talked about in the other week. Yeah, um, it, it it's really shakes up a lot of your old patterns in, in your whole body, and I strongly recommend it. Um, I don't I can't remember who it is. Oh, I know who it is. One of the uh, uh, people in the Thai boot camp when when she heard the episode where you talked about the chi machine, yeah, yeah. she had one from years ago. And yeah, yeah. you talking about it encouraged her to get it out she, and start using it. Get it out again. again. Oh, yeah. right. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they sell millions of those things um, in the beginning. Uh, and it's, I'm sure there are a lot of people like her that they're just sitting in the, in the garage, you know, mm. <laughs> not doing anything. But, you know, for me, I'm, I'm using it very much on a, a spiritual, energetic point of view. Mm. Um, and you know, there's so many benefits that I'm experiencing from this on so many levels, but I'm so keenly aware of my body that I can see all these different cascades that are going on. You know, I can see that if I continue using it, I'd never use a chiropractor or osteopath again in my life. Although I don't think I've been able to do without one for about 10 years now. What the Um, G machine or the osteopath? uh, The osteopath. Um, But I can see that somebody who does have any back problems in any shape or form, uh, urinary problems, um, lymphatic problems, uh, digestive problems, everything, you know, it's just a huge amount of things that this thing can help on. Uh, Losing weight, you know, it's really 
a key machine for so many things, and it gets parts of your body moving in a way that don't normally move. So, mm. yeah. You just cued something in my mind. i got to bring it up because um, it's kind of cool. Uh, well, first of all, yesterday was actually the ninth anniversary of LOA Today. It was nine years ago. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Yep. Louise and I made the first episode. Well, actually, we lost the first 20 minutes, and then we made the first episode. But that's another <laughs> story unto itself. And uh, we did it on our 13th wedding anniversary. So yesterday was our 22nd wedding anniversary. And we celebrated it with a couple of friends, one named Anne-Marie, who used to be a co-host here on the show, and her that's husband, okay. Mike. And we went out to dinner with them. One of the things that, of course, when you go out to dinner with friends and, you know, you're dressing up a little bit and having fun and so forth, is I, I pull out some slacks that I had worn in quite some time, put them on, and found that they were really too big. <laughs> Apparently, I've been losing weight and not knowing it. <laughs> <laughs> And the cool part was I was just doing it purely with intention. I, I wasn't changing any of my behaviors or anything like that. Uh, and I think the last time I tried to put those on was about a little over a year ago. So in a year, I, I lost about an inch worth of, uh, of waistband, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so you really can do it with intention. I just wanted to make sure I brought that in there. It's fun. You've so, okay. that, Walt. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> So we got just a couple minutes left. Um, anything else that we need to bring in about ego? I know Louis burned out on ego at this point. He didn't even want to go this far into it. But uh, Emery, <laughs> how about you? Anything more you want to bring in? No, I think that's been really interesting just to have that different viewpoint. And, yeah, thank you. Yeah, well, thank you for the conversation. I, I think I'll just uh, I'll, I'll throw out one more um, vote uh, for appreciating the ego because I, I really do think it actually helps all of us who choose to do so, to achieve what we're trying to achieve. I mean, many of us in, in these conscious creator circles are attempting to grow ourselves, to get better at being manifestors, to um, have happier lives, to have the more abundant lives and so forth. One of the best ways you can do that is to appreciate your ego, I believe. Um, I, I actually think we work against ourselves when we demonize the ego. So my take appreciate on Appreciate your self-worth and confidence. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Appreciate everything about yourself. Yeah. Um, even those areas that you previously per- described as shadow areas. They're part of yourself. <clears throat> you know? Well, well, do you remember in Illusions? Because I know Amory's just finished it. You like yes. it? Yes. Oh, it's wonderful. Isn't that a yeah. great book? It's a wonderful oh, story. Oh, shivers. When I finish it, just shivers all down my spine. Don't you love the, the end of the book? It says. If you want to to know what is it? If uh, if you want to know if anything in this book is is uh, no, every everything everything in anything, this book can be wrong. Yeah, and anything in this book can be wrong. Didn't you love right. that at the end? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first time I read that, I was pissed at it. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I read that, and I got to that, I was like, "Well, what are you trying to mess with my head? What's going on here?" <laughs> And for everybody who doesn't have any idea what we're talking about, we urge you to read the book Illusions by Richard Bach. It is a wonderful, Mm -hmm. it's an easy read. It is very educational. It's fun. It's a great story. And at the end of it, uh, the the, uh, the protagonist dies and the other one is just blown away by it. And that's when he reads in the back of this magical book that he's got. Everything in this book may be wrong. And it's like, what? What do you mean? I'm counting on this. (laughs) So... So, well, just quickly, the in Illusions, there's that point where Donald Shimoda gets angry at Richard Bach. Mm-hmm. And Richard Bach's saying, I really don't want to make him angry again. Like, You're right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't fancy I mean, myself that's... being squeezed out of existence. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's kind of how I feel when I, when I get angry. It's... Uh, I wouldn't want to mess with myself either. <laughs> Boy, am I glad I just do a podcast from thousands of miles away. It's much, much safer. Talk about the ego plant keeping you safe, Anne-Marie. Exactly. That's, why I love. That's, a, that's a good ego thing. <laughs> All right. I think we did a good job with the ego thing. So thank you guys for exploring the ego, even though Louis didn't really want to go there. But I appreciate it anyway. Thank you very much to podcast listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Bye.